Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Coming up on The Payoff, if you or somebody you love is feeling hopeless because of addiction, this is the podcast episode to listen to. Anna was on track to have an unreal life. She was living in Hawaii with a wonderful husband and a kid on the way. But she couldn't stop drinking, ever, no matter what. Rehab after rehab, meeting after meeting, nothing worked until it did. Now she's the one people turn to. I know I have. Stand by for some serious hope and inspiration. But first, big bro, Kevin Susan. Stand by the ocean floor. By the way, I know this, but I want to just just on the record. So what is your sobriety date? Oh, February the 17th of 03. Okay. Yeah, it's a long time. Well, it is a long time. How many years is that? I, I just got my 18-year chip last month. I moved here probably four years ago. Yeah. And uh, you're always in that. You, you've been in that meeting. And when you talk, I don't know. I just, I, you always uh, kind of get my attention. You all, I always well, That's kinda... good. I'll go home and I'll say, I did good today because I'll watch people move up on their seat. <laughs> if people, if a few people move up on their seat, I'm like. Yeah. Well, so. I, a, when you talk, that's what happens. Uh, so where are you where are you from? This is cool because I know a lot about you. Okay. But there's a lot I don't know about. Yeah, isn't that funny? Yeah. Um, I guess everybody knows this is a recovery. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. well, great. You know, so we know each other from the meetings. And yeah, you know more about me than most of my family members, although they know a ton. You can't hide it after a while. But um, I was born in Memphis, Tennessee. So I'm a Tennessean, but I don't even say that. I tell people I'm from Texas because we moved from Tennessee when I was only six. So I grew up in Texas. So I just say I'm from, but I was born in Tennessee. Born in Memphis, but you grew up in Texas. Yeah. Just went to the first grade Memphis, but I grew up in Austin, Texas, second grade through some college until I left when I joined the Navy. When did you have your first drink? I was a late, late bloomer, you know, listening to everybody else. I did not, I was a good girl, you know, and I didn't have my first drink and it was three beers. It was my senior year in high school and it was skip day. And I asked permission from my parents to skip senior skip day. And I had three beers and boy, I'm tell you what, it was a, it was, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> great time out by the lake. Just a great time. And this is in Austin. Austin. What was that first experience like for you? Um, you know, I, I'm, I admittedly, I'm a person that just likes to have a ton of fun and it just made it funner. Um, you know, it was literally just me and a big group of my friends out at the lake, and we were having a good time anyway. We were drinking beer. We were swimming. It was sunny, and it just made it better. What year? It, what year is this? Right? Oh my God! You're gonna now. You know how old? Well, because I, I want to ask you about. Go ahead. I graduated in 1980. We're the class that's super crazy. We're the class of 1980. Stupidest class cheer in the world, but 1980s when I graduated. Were you shy at all, or Mm-mm. were you you were always no. outgoing? No, no, I was not. I was, I was normally like a natural leader in any any group that I might be in um I was in a lot of clubs at school I was the drum major of my band I was in you know the student council the French club the you know I was in a ton of stuff and um 
just had, I was always loud and gregarious and funny. So, you know, people can mistake that for leadership, I guess. You know what I mean? Especially when you're young like that, you know, that kind of click. The quiet ones aren't going to be the ones that, you know, people are going to congregate around. And I was just one of those ones that had a ton of friends, you know. Um, I don't know why I thought I needed to have more fun. I was having a lot of fun, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I I started drinking in that, that day, and it was nothing bad. But I don't have any really good memories until I, I started drinking with my lovely husband, who's not an alcoholic, I will tell you that. Um, but we had a blast, you know, doing lots of fun things. But I went from that fun day to a period in my life where I went off to college and I was rudderless and I, I knew nothing and I started drinking more. And it was more of just, I can't cope. I don't know how to deal with life kind of deal. What I did go to parties. Don't get me wrong when I was in college. Um, you know, got wasted at every one of them. But I was drinking other than, oh, I want to have a good time. I was just drinking because I, I literally had no clue what I was supposed to be doing. Like, I, I was rudderless. Did you feel like you knew what to do when you drank? Well, yeah. Then I was just funny and loud and everybody laughed. I could tell jokes for three hours. I mean, literally, you know, people wanted my, they wanted to invite me to the next party. Let's just say that. Because so I was were, one of those. I wasn't a morose drunk. I wasn't a mean drunk. I wasn't, a, you know, uh, I'm going to sleep with your husband drunk. I was, just, I was a partier drunk, and I happened to have a good sense of humor, I think. So it was that kind of deal. Like, let's just keep this thing going, right? Did you have alcohol in your family? Alcoholism? Um, well, yeah, everywhere. Um, my parents were both, I would say, teetotalers. My mom and my dad. Like, maybe if they threw a party, they would buy someone, like, once in a blue moon. But we did not have it in our house because... My grandma, my mother's mother died from alcoholism. Her father got cancer, but he was an alcoholic as well. And uh, aunt's uncle. On my father's side as well. I've got one um, uncle, CJ. He did pass from things having to do with alcohol, you know, ravaged body. But I had other ones. They didn't die of alcoholism um, necessarily, but they were alcohol. They're all over. They're all over. Yeah. I happen to have two you know, no names, of course, two people that are very close in my family that, that I think could do some recovery. That would, it would be great if they, yeah. Yeah. It's well, it's, it's yeah. So, I, I was that person for so long. Well, me in my too. Family. So you're in college and you start, you see yourself drinking more. And more. Yeah. And yeah. What, what happens then? Well, you know, like I was there for two years before I joined the Navy and, and it was, Where'd you go to, what school? Uh, University of Texas okay. in Austin. And I lived at Jester dorm. Um, you know, my parents were, you know, trying to get me out there, trying to get me to, you know, experience life. And I was kind of just doing the opposite. I was kind of starting to fold in on myself. I, I, I when I, you know, said the word rudderless, it's a really good word. You don't think about a boat just going in circles because it, well, that's kind of what I was doing for two years. I felt like that. And I don't think I even told anybody, meaning I was supposed to go to college. Well, okay. I was there. I certainly didn't know what I was doing. I certainly didn't know what I wanted to do. I was alone. My friends had gone off to other colleges, right? I told you I had a ton of friends. I did, but they kind of all went. One went to SMU. One, you know, they, we didn't, I was alone. I uh -huh. felt alone. I wasn't alone, but I felt alone. I had a yeah. family, but I felt alone. And it's funny, though, your family's right there. Right there. I, okay, this is how bad it is, right? You, all you want to do is leave, right? Most people are like, oh, I'm 18. I went home every weekend. I had, a, I had a dorm room in the dorm. I lived in the dorm. I went to my classes. 
most of the time. <laughs> what kind of student were you in but high school? I, I, in high school? Yeah. What is that merit scholarship? Merit? I was one of them. Not in college. <laughs> what, what, what's your heritage? What's your, like, oh, I have um, kind of a mutt, but we got a lot of German okay. and we have some French and I have some Greek. My, my maiden name's Alexius and okay. that's a Greek name. So my initials are AA. <laughs> God was trying to tell me 58 years ago where I was supposed to head to, but I didn't listen to him then. Did you go to the Navy because you needed structure? And because, I did. Were there any consequences in college? Well, just getting more and more depressed. Um, uh, any drugs? No. I will tell you this. My God is good. You know, whatever, how, whatever you call him, you know, whatever that, whatever has been watching over me. Because I was too scared. Like, I already knew. I already knew. You know, I had a food issue as well. I'll throw that in there for anybody that might be. You know, there's all sorts of addictions. But anyway, I knew how bad it already was, how bad I already felt, how uh, messed up I, I was feeling. And I literally, did, it's not that I didn't have the opportunity, but I just knew, you know what, Anna? We got our hands full. And I don't know why, but I never would do it. I, I never would go there. And if I had, I don't know, I wouldn't be doing this podcast, I don't think. I always think about that. Mm -hmm. like you, know, And I was lucky. That my, mm -hmm. my drug use actually expedited me getting sober because I ran into a wall. But I think about yeah, like, I, do that. I think about people like my dad. Um, like I, I just know I have the gene. Yes. You know, the ism. I believe and there's that. A totally. There's people in my family who never sunk their teeth into that. And they remained like functional alcoholics for their whole life. For their whole life. Right. And then, but anybody in my family that got involved in harder substances, they either died, mm -hmm. went to jail, or got sober. I don't know. That's another thing I can always be grateful for because I just, you know, I was offered and I went to places where, and I just wouldn't do it. I, I would drink them under the table. I mean, I could chug a pitcher, but I would not. Mm -mm. Well, I want to go back to the eating uh, thing real quick okay. because we see that a lot in. In, in recovery, the more and more I, I get an opportunity to talk to women and they open up, there's a lot of women in recovery who have the, the food thing too. Yeah. And it's more, do you think it's a control thing? I, I don't know. It, I, I really think it's you're just reaching for something that makes you feel better and it ends up doing the opposite. And then you're just doing it and you're in there and you're stuck. Um, and I'll tell you about the only thing that I can really think, because I've never like literally written about it or anything, but it, I, I didn't drink when I was 13, but I certainly would eat a whole pizza. Whatever it is, whatever that need in me was, you know, to find something to make me feel better. I had to wait a while. I mean, I guess I could have gotten liquor at 13. I've heard, you know, people that started drinking when they were seven or six, you know. But in my life, that's where I went first because we didn't have any, I didn't have any liquor. And I, that wasn't a thought. But boy, I tell you what, I like to eat. I like the way it tastes. I'll just eat a lot of it. I've had somebody tell me that their first yeah. experience with like alcohol and addiction was, was food because, yeah. of, because of what, what's, what's in food. And if you're an addict, that food makes you feel better. It does something to the brain, just like a substance does to your brain and your body. Food does it too. Oh yeah. You know, and boy, I'll tell you what it worked for. It worked. It worked. I want to go back. So you go to the Navy, you're rudderless. I am. No pun I am, intended. I have you, no clue what to do, where to go, what I'm supposed to do, and nobody's telling me what to do. See, this is another thing I've learned about myself. You know, when I said I was a good girl earlier, I was. I, I had lots of success from a young age until I went to college. And I'm talking about, you know, 
educationally, musically, friends, socially, you know, um, lots and lots and lots of success. But when I went to college and I was on my own, I no longer had people telling me exactly what to do and when to do it and how to do it. And, and when I look back now, that's, was my life. Even in high school, you know, I was, my, my whole schedule was filled, you know, it was band and it was practice and it was being here at this time. And then I was a leader and I had to make sure. And so, and then when I was done, people clapped for me. They told me what a great job I had done. And that was so ingrained in me that when it was like, okay, here's your diploma and now go to college. And then like, they all went away. And you're kind of almost like, I had the same experience with myself in athletics because going, going to college involved in a football program where you had to be somewhere all the time. And if you didn't show up, mm-hmm. there was a coach like that was checking your classes and you got in trouble. And the moment I got out of college, then I was without a net. Exactly. And, 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 and everything went into overdrive. Well, exactly. And you're getting your you're getting your self-worth, you're getting your accolades, you're getting your applause. Identity. You're doing really good. And um we'll keep doing that for the rest of our lives. It certainly doesn't work that way. Was there an event that led to you going to the Navy? No. I, well, it was it was Christmas break. I was 1982 or three yes, years. exactly. Okay. Um, it was Christmas break at uh, UT, and I was just so sick of feeling the way I was feeling. It was impetuous, but not. I'd always thought about police, police work, and I'd always thought about the military. Don't ask me why, but even when I was anybody in your family. Well, my dad was um, in the Korean War, but he was drafted. He didn't do any fighting or anything. He was a musician. But my mom actually joined the Marines, but she was had a back issues, and they she was only in for like six weeks when they did the full medical on her, you know. And if you knew my mom now, you'd be like, "What?" Like she was just as crazy as me. <laughs> but it was literally like I just I knew that I needed something. I didn't know what it was, but actually it was probably a pretty good choice for somebody that didn't really know what they wanted to do because I did get the structure I needed. Now, of course, you know it didn't help me in the long run because. I still had no coping skills. I didn't know how to live life. But in the military, they tell you, you know, you better be there at this time. You don't leave until this time. You better look like this. You better have this on. You better do this, this, this. you know, you're getting it. You just, you get your shit together. Although I did a lot of partying in the Navy. Tell me about the party. Oh, I did a ton of partying in the Navy. When you go to the Navy, how do you find your alcoholism well, t- taking off? Uh, wow, it's, it's, I know it's different now because I've heard people, you know, this is a long time ago. This is 1982, long, long time ago. And the, the rules were a little different. You could still smoke in the office. You know, you poor people that are, you know, <laughs> you could still smoke in the offices, you know, so, and I smoked, you know, so I did, you know, anything bad for me, but it was just a, a lot of partiers in the military. Um, just a lot of partiers. You worked hard and then you played hard, but I, I kind of kept it where you're supposed to keep it when I was in the Navy. Weekends, parties at night, you know, but I was up. I went to work, you know, I did my job every day and I was in the Navy for five years. And then I got out and once again, same thing, kind of, sort of. Yeah. I had married. So you, and you met your husband, Mm -hmm. Kurt in the Navy. And so, and we were drinking buddies. We had a, like, you know, Kurt and we're funny and we're like, not Kurt's the man. Kurt's Kurt's from Jersey city. So that was it. That's what I'm sorry, Texas. I brought him, I brought him here. I transplanted him. (laughs) Um, now he's, 
like us together. I mean, I, I don't want to like toot my own horn. We, we, we can be a lot of fun, me and Kurt, because we're not like totally quote unquote normal or PC maybe, but we can make you laugh. Um, and so we had a blast for quite a few years. But as you know, I kept going and did it when it, when it wasn't just for laughs. And then he was like, oh, hell no, I'm not going that way. So after many years of having a blast, we started to not personally, um, you know, we've been married forever. I'm lucky. But as far as the drinking went, he saw, he saw it before I saw it. And he stopped. Like, hoping, I think, without him even knowing it, without consciously thinking, like, well, maybe if I stop, she'll slow down or she'll stop. That kind of deal. That's what I think. It's like trying to step in front of a freight train. Yeah. Uh-huh. Are you still having fun drinking? I, was you, still having, I, had, I still had a blast in the okay. Navy drinking. Like, at the last place I worked, was New Orleans the last place I worked? Yeah, I, I sorry, my husband's sitting yeah. by me. <laughs> I'm not talking to some invisible person. You know? Yeah. Um, the last place I worked, we went to lunch and had beers right in our building. I, I was stationed in New Orleans. I'm not going to say where, but there was a restaurant at the top of the building where the where we worked. And we'd go up and I'd drink three beers for lunch. I wouldn't eat a sandwich. It was a different time. And then I'd go to, back to work. You know, I wasn't falling down. So, you know, so I didn't have any, no, I had no consequences. Did you feel day. like that time was almost um it was more conducive to an alcoholic lifestyle. For instance, you hear about that, like the business world, the martinis at lunch, the oh, beers. Sure. At, I mean, if, if somebody pulls up to a regular restaurant now with people from work and has three beers, people will look at them sideways. Oh, yeah. It's, it was different then. Yeah. Yeah, it was way different. <laughs> and nobody looked at me sideways. We were most all up there. It, yeah, it was different. We did our jobs. We yeah. worked hard. We did. None we of this were... is, by the way, an indictment on any of the structures or institutions Perfect. that we worked for. This is about recovery. Yeah, because I can say many things saved my life. And at that point, the Navy probably did have a lot to do with me, at least keeping some boundaries that I wasn't capable of keeping myself. So I have nothing but, you know, and I did the best I could. And I did a good job when I was in the Navy. I've always done a pretty good job until, you know. When did you start to lose control? I didn't know. Other people, I told you, he probably saw it before I did. And I know my mom saw it before I did. She took me to my first AA meeting when I was 18, when I was in that, when I just went to college and I started losing it. So that meeting real quick, how did you receive that? I just went because I love my mom and she'd been going to um, Al-Anon. She doesn't drink, but she goes to Al-Anon. She's been going to Al-Anon for, forever. And um, Anna just rolled her eyes. 37 years. Um, <laughs> so I got the program even before I wanted the program, but <laughs> Al-Anon is for people that are suited, family members family that members. love alcoholics. Yeah, exactly. um, people um, that love alcoholics. That that well, you can't blame your life on the alcoholic. That's kind of the gist of that. Okay. Like you really can't because that's kind of like what a lot of people that love alcoholics do. They blame all, all their problems and all their, but they go in and say, "Wait a second, look at me. Look what I'm doing. I'm like, I'm acting like his mom. I need to do something different." You know, it's for that. So would you go to that first meeting? I, yeah, and I just went. I, I don't remember a lot about it, um, except for that I went, stayed for the whole meeting because she wanted me to. And it was like, and so I don't think I went to another AA meeting for about 20 years. Your parents know you. My mom, God bless her. I mean, she had her eye on me from the moment I was like eight or nine. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember getting a beer from the basement from my dad or somebody, and uh, I had opened it and taken a sip. Wow. She was basically like, dude, 
you, you, you don't understand because you've got this thing in your blood. Like mm. for us to drink wasn't just like, hey, I'm messing around. She was like, oh, no, 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 no. This is going to affect you differently. I would think back to that as I continue to progress alcoholically. Like she was right. You know, there was a reason yeah, why I love the olives. They can tell you everything, right? Uh-huh. They can tell you everything. And, you know, my mom did it the, the best way she knew how. And, you know, they tell you that anything that happens to you is like something that you need to have experienced. And that was something I needed. I need to remember that even back then she could spot it and she could spot. I was so unhappy and she just knew. Yeah. She had to save me once because I had the cops called her and I, you know, oh my God, we're not supposed to do junk logs, but I will tell you the no, yeah, story. Uh, this is, uh, the reason she took me, I'll just tell you what I happened. I want to hear that stuff. Yeah. Uh, me and my, a friend of mine had gone to, we were UT, had gone to drinks and it was happy, happy, it was late, but they gave the any girls that come until 11 free shots. You're a pretty young girl. Hello. Yeah. I'm 18, 19 years old. So we go at like eight because it's free shots till 11, right? Cause they want the guys to come in. So they want the girls to stay. So they're giving us free drink. Well, you know, my friend Dolene fell off the stool. I'm laughing my ass up. We're so drunk. Like, Quarter to 11, we're ready to go. And they're like trying to get us to stay. And we're like, no, we're so wasted. I got my my mom's Mazda RX-7. And I drove a couple of minutes at the most. And I pulled off. I said, oh, no. Jolene, I said, I can't. I can't even see with one eye closed. So we're just going to. And we went to sleep. Well, very shortly later. I don't know. It was very shortly later. Knock, knock, knock on my window. And it was the police. I had parked in front of the entrance to a drive through beer. You know, those drive through places where you just open your trunk and they throw the beer in or whatever, and then the, you pay them and you drive away. I was blocking it. And the windows were up and the doors were locked and we were sleeping. And so they had called my mom because they had run the plates and it was her car. And so she came and they took Jolene to jail and they let my mom take me home. Well, it's always um, funny. Those stories are funny now because we're sober. Exactly. And they're not, like, I can remember when I was still drinking and I would tell stories like that. And the people that knew me best and cared about me were like, man, that's not funny. Right. You know, like they were, and they, they, because they were concerned and they were fearful. I'm going to get back to you. So you start to lose control. When are are some consequences that start to come into your life? You're married to Kurt. You're Mm -hmm. out of the Navy. I I got out of, I got out of the Navy. He, he stayed in the Navy. We, um, we went to Hawaii. Yeah. Tough life, right? Um, so you, 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 you were stationed in Hawaii. mm Mm-hmm. After New Orleans. For how long? Tough life, right? Um, <laughs> we were only in Hawaii for three years. Three years. Where'd you live in Hawaii? We lived, um, we had an apartment first um, over on the Honolulu or Waikiki side. Great, beautiful apartment um, that had one whole glass, like w- one of the walls was glass. Like, and so, you know, you're asking me, that's when it started going wrong um and I'm, i blame no one never will i blame anyone ever again for the way my life has turned out although it's turned out great now but at that time he my husband the navy took him away to japan i was going to the university of hawaii and i was working but i was alone i was i'm i'm prone to depression and although alcohol is a depressant i know that it, it doesn't matter it just you know i'm trying to feel better yes i'm trying to escape so i did I probably started getting way out of control then. I do, when he came back and then it was not hideable anymore. It wasn't fun. Let's say I was 
drinking. Um, when would you start to drink it? Were you high? Oh, I wasn't drinking it in the morning at this time. I was drinking every night. I, I would go to comedy clubs. I mean, I was, I was doing anything to try to make myself laugh or have fun. And it, 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 it just, it, I, I was just a budding, horrible budding alcoholic, alcoholic, drinking alcohol. Did you have any kids at this time? No. Once we left Hawaii and we went to right outside of DC, Virginia is when I had my son Cole. And now I'm at home again in a new place with no friends. I mean, you know, mm, poor me, poor me, poor me. But my, that's just, I'm telling you because I had no skills. I would go through these spurts of where I'm okay, but I'm not because boom, something happens where life hits me and I don't know what to do. And you're drinking. And so you're not developing as a person. Oh, hell no. I didn't, I didn't budge from like 14 to 32. I feel like as, as, as a, as a man. Well, I would say five me. <laughs> so you got to 14. Good on you, but yeah, but yeah. I, that's, that's what happened for me. And then I literally, I feel like I've grown up so much. Mm -hmm. Uh, in, 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 in sobriety. And I really, and it's crazy because you do kind of make a quantum leap. I still have all the isms and all like mm -hmm. the insecurities, but I do through this program, we talk about it. We're not representatives of AA, but we talk about meetings and stuff like that mm -hmm. through, through this program. My life has gotten so much better and I've grown into somewhat might people might say of an adult, but I was so right. far from that right. when I came in because every single problem that I had, I would pour alcohol and, and, and right. other substances on. Exactly. And so your escape is making you way worse. Oh, yeah. I mean, not only don't I have them, I'm certainly not going to develop any yeah. skills. And by the way, this coping <laughs> this coping skill you have, for me, I would just run around and create chaos at the time. Well, see, you know, good, bad, or whatever, The story, my story is, though, is I drank for so long and had such a good time, and I've got only good... Um, accolades right like yeah. i just i just you know and, and until i was alone and then just like what are you doing you're just drinking all the time so you start so when do you start to drink alone and when do you when do you when are you hiding it from kurt uh when we came to virginia you know i didn't even get a job i had coal my baby so that was an excuse like just to stay home and i tell you this this is kind of interesting too and i told been to many doctors you know many psychotic blah blah i didn't drink when i was pregnant the last month, like I, I remember specifically going to the doctor, he didn't know, and says, have a glass of wine, relax. The baby, you know, because by this time the baby's born, you know, that's what he told me. So I did start drinking again before my son Cole was born, but not until, you know, two, three weeks before he was born. But I started drinking again, right when I thought I can drink again now, because I'm, you know, I found out from a doctor a long time ago, I want to hurt me. I literally, I'm hurting other people when I'm living this kind of life. I'm hurting my, my husband. I'm hurting my parents. I'm hurting people that I'm lying to or whatever I might be doing that's, you know, wrong. But as far as I literally am trying to hurt myself, not specifically trying to hurt other people. So I certainly didn't want to hurt my son. That wasn't the deep, sick, whatever reason or gene, you know, mm -hmm. whatever's in the, you know. That wasn't the reason. So when I was pregnant, it was like, oh, no, 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 no. And then, boy, I was off to the races, though. What were the races like? Just drinking daily again, like immediately. And I hadn't drank in seven months or, you know, or so, about six and a half months. And then, but I, I was right back to drinking every single day, no matter though I had a little baby, 
you know, to take care of, which I did. And was, was Kurt at this point telling you, hey, I need you to chill out? You know, he's never been... He's never been a lecturer as far as mm, this kind of thing. He's tried everything. He's tried all sorts of things until he realized that he's, he can't fix me. But, you know, any family member that loves you, you know, without knowing how, you know, it works. difficult this thing is, you know, they're going to try to help you. They're going to try to fix you. He's a fixer. My husband's a fixer. <laughs> 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 Poor thing. Um, he tried really, really hard. Everything from um not threats, but you know, that kind of that kind of talk. Um, I guess you could call it a semi-lecture. What can I do different? Like how can I act? He was thinking all these what what can I do differently to get her to see it? And then I remember one time, this wasn't in Virginia when we had finally moved here, because we've been in Texas for about 21 years, 25 years now. But early when we got here, he's only said the word divorce to me once. And I since learned he only said it to scare me when I say he's trying to think of anything to say. In fact, as soon as he said the word, I'm like, you're right. You need to go marry somebody else. That's better. You deserve somebody better than, but he was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Was there an event that brought up that, that word? No, oh, just another <laughs> spent the day in bed again, like drinking. Just, I, he said something to me like, I'm not ready to not live anymore. You know, he's my husband. And I said, he goes, so, ah, and he said that word. And I'm like, you're right. You need to leave. You need to go and find somebody that's, <laughs> he didn't. <laughs> he, what's wrong with him? Well, it's a, well, at what point did you start to try to stop? Well, I tried to stop. I thought I tried to stop many, many times in Virginia. I think that was my first rehab was in Virginia. What 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 events uh, brought that about? Uh, just, I'm, I can't quit drinking. Yeah, I can't quit drinking. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a bottle smasher, meaning like I'm never going to drink again. And I'm taking my half gallon jugs outside and I'm breaking them on the retaining wall. You know, oh my god! And then the next day it's like, oh, you, you idiot! You know, because I just go buy more. But I was a pour it down the drain. Break them against the retain the you know the concrete retaining wall. I'm gonna quit, but I went to my first rehab. So I was still really young. Um, I went to my first rehab in Virginia. I've been to five or six. Okay, four or five. I went to one was a loony bin. Well, not just not a rehab because there was crazy people in that. I mean, I'm crazy, but like crazy people that see outer space men. Crazy yeah. people. <laughs> I was crazy. Don't get me wrong. I have nothing. Against, I was. I'm a crazy person. Not saying anything bad against crazy people, but different than an addiction, let's say. I was actually in the loony bin once, and that was scary. Um, but I, I, I would go. I would uh, get the 30 days. I would go to AA. I would, the most I ever got, I'm being honest, in years and years and years of going in and out was four months. That's the most I ever got. How torturous was that whole process? That was horrible. It was, you know, I, I think I'm semi-intelligent and... You know, they, they say that the pro you can be, you can't be too dumb for this program, but you can certainly be too smart. And I get that now. I, I'm not, I'm not a brainiac, but I'm not an idiot. And I just knew, I knew there was something very wrong with me and I wanted help. I learned later I was supposed to participate. <laughs> Actually, what I wanted was, is I wanted you to fix me, right? So when I say I tried to get better, 
I was trying to get better. I was going to rehab. I was going to psychologists. I was going to psychiatrists. I was trying to tell the truth as much as I could. Um, you know, you, you really don't, I don't think, I didn't tell the full truth till I came to AA. Like, I have a sponsee. She still doesn't believe that I drank as much as I do because, you know, not big. And I, I could I could drink a, any guy, you know. I mean, you know, I, I'll match you is all I'm saying. I was very proud of the fact that I could chug an entire pitcher of beer without stopping. That's impressive. Well, you know, you breathe through your nose. There's, <laughs> there's tricks to it. It's not like I'm continuously drinking because, like, literally, that's really hard. I tried. But you can go and then keep drinking and never take it down from your mouth. And most people, they drink this much. I'm holding about an inch and a half. <laughs> and then they have to stop and take a breather. And I'm like, hmm, like, wait. Because so, that's how the human body works. Right. Yeah. But but then I would do that and have fun, but then I would drink all day, stay in bed. See, you were asking me, when did it start going off the rails? And it really did start going off the rails at the end of Virginia and when we moved to Texas. Went to some rehabs. So you, went, so you went to one rehab. Let's get the scorecard out. You went to one in Virginia. I went to one in Hawaii. Well, I went to many doctors in Hawaii, and I went to an intensive outpatient clinic when we lived in Hawaii. Okay. And um, they wanted to send me, and I said, oh, hell no, I'm not going I'm not going to an inpatient. So I did an intensive outpatient. And then um, Virginia, I did my first, and it was food and alcohol. You know, I was a mess. Yeah. I'm still a mess. But Most I'm, of us are before we get I'm sober. a hot mess, okay? I'm just, I'm just shoving anything in my mouth that's just going to like, whoa. And, uh, and, and uh, I... I might have gone to two in Virginia. My husband's shaking his head. It might have been three. <laughs> three. <laughs> and that's where the loony men was. They, they, there was one little room, kind of like this room, Pete, <laughs> where you had to smoke. <laughs> this is no, I'm no longer in the Navy where I can smoke. And, you know, you, had to, you couldn't have a lighter, of course, which I broke the rules. You know, I kept one and got in trouble, but. I had, you got to go to a little room, then you had to wait. You had to wait till they came. You know, they got jobs. Like, they're nurses, right? They're, and I'm like, where are you with my lighter? You know, because I just have to sit in this little, I was sitting in that room with that person I was telling you about. He was scaring the crap out of me because he was talking about space, seeing space the space invaders, people yeah. right there while I'm yeah. there. And I was just talking to him. Like, it's funny because you, you hear people say this, like, you, you tell you tell stories like that, like, I can't believe, hey, you know, you call Kurt. This guy's seeing spaceships. At the end of the day, you're in the group. Like, there's a reason you're there. I'm, I'm there with him. Like, yeah. what? I'm way... I'm... Uh, that anyway. was exactly the same so way. So then, and, and then I went to DePaul. Okay. Like, okay, we move here. DePaul's where we have it in Central Texas. My son was in the second grade when we moved to Texas, right? So I'm drinking. My poor baby, toe-headed, beautiful boy. My husband would bring him to visit me. At these two, three rehabs when we were in Virginia, the cutest little thing has no clue how screwed up his mother is, but she's gone, you know, and he's having to do the mommy job, the daddy job, bring in the money, take care of this boy, worry about me, pay for it, you know, um, and this is not the first one nor the last one, but he would bring my son up to visit me, and so we moved to Texas. He was only in the second grade. I didn't quit drinking until he was 12, so what's he, seven? And he's visiting you at rehabs. Yes. So he's seven when we move here. And I still have a, I went to DePaul. And then the last one, 
Yes. Hope to God, knock on wood, knock on that wood. I ever have to go to was in Buffalo Gap. And it was another food and alcohol or drug, but mm-hmm. it was an addiction. And um, that was the last one that I went to. And I, he checked me out of there against medical advice. And I went to back to AA and I haven't had a drink since. When you're like, because I have people in my life and I was the same way who are quote unquote chronic relapsers before you get sober and, and their family looks at them and why wouldn't they? It's like, oh my God, this person's hopeless. Like we talked about. What message do you tell people that come after you? Because one of the beautiful wow. things about our program is we almost suffer to serve. Yes. You go through, you live that nightmare, that living hell of I'm not going to drink today. Oh, I, I'm drunk. And now I'm back in rehab and now my, my son is visiting me. What, what do you tell people? Well, you know, what, what I do is, is I connect with them because, you know, what you're, when somebody comes in after a relapse, you know, been there, know exactly how you feel. And you think you're the only one that feels like not only are you a loser, now you're the biggest loser. Uh, There, there's nobody worse than you when that happens to you in your life and you, and you, you go back you go back in and I don't care if you had a week, a day, you know, to walk back in there after you have done over and over and over. I can at least connect with you and tell you, you are not by yourself because I didn't know what the hell was going on in these meetings or what the hell they were doing for years. And I still made it back. You know, like it, 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 it was like my feet did it. I told him when he picked me up from that last place in Buffalo Gap, I know where I'm supposed to go. What is that? That that wasn't me, right? I don't. I'd been there and it didn't work. But I'm gonna tell you what. That was all that was in my head. That last rehab was like, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be in AA. And I don't know why I said that. I have no clue to this day still why I said that. When a new person comes in, I always feel. Like, and this is my stuff. I'm always like, well, let's make sure we don't talk too much about God. Cause, cause that's a lot of people come into to meetings and they hear God and they run for the front door. I did. I did. So I can connect with you again. Okay. Before, um, the program taught me that my problem was me and that I'm selfish uh, and that I'm full of myself and that I'm all that I think about. And that's why I'm miserable. Right. I didn't know that. I had like, you know, two and a half days and they'd start talking about God. I felt it was my responsibility to share so that I could sweep off all those words so that that guy over there would know, oh, no, 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 don't listen to them, right? Just come in, you know, just listen. But I I, I thought I was, I had, I had to share to like, negate the God stuff that had just been said so that the new person wouldn't leave. Well, quickly got, got over that, you know, but, but I did, I thought it was my obligation to like share without saying, without using that word, because I know now when I look back, it was an excuse and it was a manipulation and it was a, it was a reason for me to leave. Totally. Right? That's too scary. I don't even know what you're talking about. God doesn't love me or he would have helped me a long time ago. I try, I begged him to help me, you know, so whatever it was, whatever's going on in there, Oh, they're talking about God. I'm out of here. I am gone. I tried church. I went down for a land of the hands, for God's sake, Pete. And I'm not a churchgoer. 
in the city. I went to a, and they were like, come down. If you, if you're set and I'm bawling and I go down there and that guy preaches over me and does that stuff. You see, like I was thinking he was going to pull a snake out or something, that kind of thing you see on TV, like a revival kind of deal. And it wasn't revival. It was actually in a church laying hands on me to try to get, and I'm like, well, that didn't work. I think I think being a born again is terrific if if you're buying into the religion and not if you're trying to save yourself from from alcoholism. Right. I was dating a girl once and she was a bo- she was born again and you know God was my problem and I remember I did like a thing where like I was born again. I mean I'm a drunk. Oh, <laughs> I would a, love no, to nobody, have seen that. Not many people know that story. I I'm a dr- I'm a drunk. That's what I am. And I, and I and God is in my life now, but. I had to I had to turn my will over first and admit that I was a drunk and I had no power before I could go down any religious road. And I think that I, I mentioned that to you because I always appreciate how you connect with people that come in for the first time. And you're like, whoa, whoa, just you don't have to you don't have to c- commit. And, and, and I don't know. Yeah. No. In fact, that's the beauty of this thing. When you're in that spot and you are an alcoholic and you don't know what's wrong with you, why you can't stop. If you're crazy, you've tried everything you can think of. You're miserable. You're doing the same thing every day. You know, when, when you come into AA, you don't know, you can barely put a sentence together. So I'm not going to sit there and tell you, okay, now you need to um, turn your will and your life over to the care of God. And you need, no, when people first come in there, I want them to know, just sit down, right? Sit down, breathe, right? We're all in here because we know how you feel. We're not lying. And this is where you're supposed to be. And you're going to get some relief. Just sit down and relax and listen for a little bit, right? That's all you have to do at the beginning. You don't, you know, that's it. Once a day, um, you know, you can come in here and be miserable with us. I love saying that. I, I hope I don't oversay it, but I'll say it all the time when there's a newcomer. You know exactly how your day's going to go. You've been doing it for a long, long time or you wouldn't be in here, right? You know the misery. You know the routine. You know the stuckness. You know the blackness. One hour a day come in here and just experience all that stuff with us, right? Don't do anything. Don't read anything. Don't write anything. Don't, you don't have to pray. Just come in here and be miserable with us for a while, but listen to us when we talk. And after a while, without doing much of anything at the beginning, you start getting enough relief where you're like, where has this been? Like, what's going on here? My husband asked me, what are they doing to you there? (laughs) Because I'm telling you what, when I tried everything, I tried everything I could think of, except acupuncture. I tried everything else. I tried everything else. I tried to get him to police me. Like, don't, you know. Yeah, that's always you know, a good one. Like, for you, they say, oh, a good woman yeah. can make you stop drinking. Well, she have to be a really big good woman. <laughs> you know, she have to be sitting on me and, like, you know, she have to be real strong. Yeah. You know, because he's the best guy in the world, maybe besides you. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, you know. When Kurt says to you, what are they doing in there? How are you progressing as a woman and as a person? Well, you know, um, to start off answering that, you know, what did you, know, you do? What did you well, do? They, they talk about bottoms. And so I just want to throw that out there. I guess that, you know, God blessed me with, um, I literally couldn't live anymore. Um, somebody that I really love said, you know, I'm going to either drink 
I'm going to commit suicide or I'm going to do this, like do it, right? There's a difference between what I said to somebody that's brand new and they still got their deer in the headlight look. Just let them relax for a little bit, you know. But when you get to that place and you're as miserable, it, you know, as you can stand, let's say. Um, some, most people die. Most people don't, you know, don't get the gift that we've gotten because, boy, I'm going to tell you what, people can take a lot of pain before they change. Um, but and sometimes they don't get a chance to exactly, change. Exactly. No, no. They don't make it. Um, so I got to where I was, where, you know, those were the three options, right? I think I was too chicken to actually kill myself. I was doing it slowly. Um, so I decided that I didn't want to drink. I wanted to feel better without drinking and I didn't know how to do it. Well, see that right there is something too. I didn't even know I was going to say, I have to admit, right? You have to go and you have to admit to human beings that you don't know what you're doing. You literally are a grown up woman walking around on the planet and you are clueless. Everything you've tried, every idea you've had has gotten you here, right? My best thoughts, my best thinking, my best promises, my, my use of willpower, which has nothing to do with it. But of course, at the beginning, you know, before I learn anything, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. And you fail and you fail and you fail and you fail. And I just couldn't, I couldn't live like, I couldn't do it anymore. I was, I, I, I can't express to you, people listening to this podcast, maybe know, you know, I can't express to somebody that's never experienced it, the misery that a person can get into before they kill themselves or before they finally decide they have to change. And my changing at the beginning was just what I said a minute ago. It was literally, I went back to a thing that I didn't think worked. Talk about out of ideas. I went back to AA and I just made a commitment to die at least going to AA, right? That's the best I can put it. But what happened was, is I just didn't leave this time, right? I'm a cut, I'm a cut and go, right? I'm, I'm going to um, do something. I'm really good at it. And if it gets hard, I go do something else. Or I'm living here and I got friends while well, I'm losing them because I'm acting like an asshole. I'm going to move. And that's what the program teaches you, by the way, to stick it out. I've had stuff in my life in sobriety where I stopped cutting and running, like, mm -hmm. like professionally and personally with stuff. And all of a sudden, oh, you, you get like halfway decent at something. Mm -hmm. And then you build your self-esteem. Um, alcoholism is a quick fix. Alcohol, alcohol is sure. a quick fix. Drugs are a quick fix. And I think that breeds the mentality that, okay, I need a quick fix and it's all BS. It's a quick fix to shut up. My, my problem is in my own head. Nobody, you know, blame your parents. I did that for a while. Blame God. I did that for longer. But once you realize it's actually good news, <laughs> it doesn't sound like it, but once you realize, once you get it through your, through your skull, that you're the problem, you're your own problem. Um, you kind of can go like take a sigh. You can sigh and say, okay, well, that's good because I certainly can't change who, you know, I can't change what they're doing or what they're saying or how they treat me. All these outside forces, uh, drugs, alcohol, yeah. food, him, but any, any outside thing that's of this, you know, 
uh, you'll go through all of them trying to make yourself. But until you realize the problem is you, and it's good news because then once you figure that out, you're like, okay, well, give me some instructions. You know, maybe I can do something about the way I think. I can't do anything about what's going on around me, but maybe if you help me uh, and give me some ideas on how to change the way I think about the world, about life, about circumstances, about God, about whatever, then maybe I got a shot. How did you knock all the dust off and let yourself shine again? Because it's funny, you talk about naturally as a young woman, that's how you were. I was. And it's so it's such a bummer for people around you because they're like, hey, you're you have you can tap into this if if you will, if you'll get sober. How did how did your life change? Oh, well, you how, know, how did you knock the dust off? Well, first off, I stopped drinking, which hadn't for more than four that months. was a miracle. Let's yeah. just say that. Uh, for me. Um then um, it was, um, like I told you before, other people started noticing it before. I had to change a lot. What they tell you a lot of times when you'll go, if you do try to get into the program or go to meetings or whatever, they'll say something like, you got to throw out all your old ideas. What does that mean? They tell you stuff that's, it sounds like Greek when you go in there. That's why I'm like, just sit, don't, just try not to understand everything we're saying at the beginning. I, I wanted to be empty. I wanted to be blank and I wanted to not be judgmental. I wanted to be open. I wanted to try to hear, I wanted to figure out what y'all were doing, right? Because I believed at this point that y'all were telling me the truth, that y'all drank like I drank, that you felt like I felt, that you were miserable as I was and you weren't drinking. And so, it, it, like I said, the bottom, it all comes different time and whoever, whatever your life is, a different time for different people, but it'll happen for you if you just, if you just keep that seed in your brain that 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 the program, there's a solution to this problem that you think is unsolvable. There's a solution to this problem. I thought, and I'm I'm smart. I told you that, right? I'll tell you again. <laughs> you are smart. There was no solution to my problem. That's where I was when I crawled back in the last time. But I didn't have anywhere else to go. So what I decided was, and I didn't know I decided this was, is that I was going to stop pretending like I knew everything. Right. My life, my whole life was a fraud because I just pretended. Right. At least when they cut me loose, I was pretending and I was failing, but pretending. So I just decided that I was not going to pretend anymore. And um, it's actually a lot easier to be honest than you'd think, especially when you do it in the rooms where you know what you say, no matter what you say, there's somebody that's done it, thought about doing it, did it worse, there's got caught no, doing it. There's you no know, nothing like seriously animal, vegetable, mineral, crime, embarrassing situation. Anything that you've done, somebody else in there has done it. And, 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 and somebody can probably top it. Right. <laughs> um, which is very, a lot of fun here in those. Uh, and sometimes logs. it's comforting though when they do. No, it's very comforting because the, the part of this disease is, is you live alone in your own thoughts. There's something in our literature that says the isolation, the loneliness, that an addict can feel few men experience few other quote unquote normal people ever experience the lonely. I'm talking about disconnect from every living and non-living entity or power or energy that might be out there. I don't know, whatever you want to call that thing. I don't have to call it anything. I'm not religious or a churchgoer. Barring the laying of hands that one time, <laughs> I, but I am very spiritual now. So you can call him God. You could call it, my mom calls it 
the uh, light of the universe because it's all positive. Light, light, light is a positive thing. Dark is, you know, where I lived. I don't have a problem with calling him God because that's easy. Yeah. That's just, it's just convenient for me. What I've kind of looked at it, you know, you define your own. That's the beauty, another beauty of this thing. Nobody's going to tell me what it is that's helping me because something helped me. You get to that point where you, you're broken and you're open, right? When you're broken, you're open. I was the person that people would talk about when I was in the room. What are we going to do with her? What do we do now? Now I'm the person people in my family call me when they're going through. My mom just picked up her 37-year Al-Anon chip. She calls me when she's having a rough time. My sister calls me. My brother calls me. These are all the people that used to talk about me because I was, I, I, I was, I was a lost cause. And when you have a rough time, where do you go? You go to meetings. I go to meetings. And you, I, I, I hang in there for a second. You, uh, or your father passed away about two years ago now. And I, oh, I, oh, I remember because you would go into those meetings and you would share about that. I sure would. And, and you were in a rough spot, and you would talk about it every day. And I, I mean, and your suffering right there served me when my dad died because I knew there was exactly one place to go. We we watched my dad pass right. away on a Zoom, my family and I, and I saw you at that meeting a couple like yes. like an hour later. Yes. And and I you, was so proud of you. Well, you were the reason that I was there. People like you. And it's like because I've because I saw you go through that before my mm. eyes and I saw you happy again. And I thought, well, there's one place to go. And I've seen it in front of me. It certainly isn't drinking. That's right. off the table. But I mean, it's certainly not sitting here by myself. I've got 18 years of Friday. You got what, nine? Uh-huh. You know, this is called life. It happens. Things happen. I, I can deal with them now, right? My feelings aren't going to kill me. My feelings, I've learned that my feelings aren't, I think they are. I think I'm going to die right there. I think I'm going to explode when something like that happens. But I heard, I'll tell you what you, you said. You know, we get this, I got it from somebody else. You got it, you say, oh, yeah. I, okay, I, I heard a tape once years ago and a, a lady was talking and she was she was married to a man that was much older than her. And she had a sponsor and she was she would talk to her sponsor and her sponsor would, after a while, after they got to know, you know, she would say, what are you going to do? You know, odds are when I, Larry, right? What are you going to do when Larry passes away? Eh, you know, but she would, Every once in a while, she'd say, what are you going to do when Larry passes away? And then she made her, I want you to write down three things that you're going to do or not, maybe five, three things you're going to do or you're not going to do when Larry passes away, right? Well, sure enough, you're, you know, you're six months, year later, right? Her husband, Larry, passed away. She was like grief, you know, grief is, is all consuming sometimes. And she was grief stricken. Well, what she'd written down on her what her sponsor her made her write down was, I will go to a meeting every day. I will not get rid of any sponsor, you know, any people that I'm helping. I will not move. Meaning like, I'm not going to relocate, go to a place. I don't know anybody, you know, and she said her feet automatically, she, she got that list out and that's all she did. Right? She had years of sobriety, but at this point when she was, and engulfed in grief because her husband had died and they'd been together, you know, 
She literally would look at that list and that's all she did. She would wake up, she would put on clothes, she would, her feet, she'd say they were on automatic. Yeah, automatic smart, pilot. I, I tell people I have smart right. feet. They would take her to a meeting and she would sit there, kind of like a newcomer, just sitting there not drinking, right? And then she'd go home and then she'd take phone calls because she had people that were helping her. Oh, and man. she stayed and she stayed she consistent and constant. She didn't feel good. Um, she didn't um, quit going to AA or move and, and realize. She just looked at her little list. You see, the thing, the beauty about this thing is, and I said it earlier, I said you can be, you can't be too stupid, but you can be too smart. The beauty of this thing is, is once you get all your shit out of the way, all of your advice and all, all you, you know, your brilliancy, and it's a simple thing, really. It's just a simple thing. It's actually a room, lots of rooms, where people go in there and do, I think, what humans are supposed to be doing, and maybe they don't do it so much out, out of the rooms. We just are together. Like you made me feel like, oh, you came in every day. You talked about your dad. I'm like, oh, crap. You know, it's not therapy. And I I only talk to my three minutes. I don't, you know, you you go in there to get, you go in there to get your crap out quickly, but it's all solution. Sure. Nobody goes in there and listens to me talk about my dad dying for an hour. It's just, I go in there and I say, this is the most overwhelming thing I've ever experienced in my life. You know, I got siblings are crying constantly around me. You know, there's attorneys having, I'm like, I, he, you know, I saw his death. I can't, I go to a meeting. Right. Yeah. And I say, this sucks. And I'm sad and I cry. And then I listen for four, for 50 minutes, 50. <sighs> My power is, it is positivity for 50 minutes. Then I listen to people tell me how, you, you're not gonna, you're gonna be okay. Yeah. Right? You are feeling this way and you're supposed to feel this way. Your dad died. So come in here and feel horrible and we're gonna get you through this. And it's people helping people that are all, they all have the same fatal, fatal problem without help. And we're just there. Warts and all. I can tell you how shitty I'm feeling. I can tell you. You know, they'll give you practical advice. They'll give you shoulders. They'll give you ears. You they'll know, give you experience. They'll give you experience and hope. That's what you'll get. You'll get hope. We got to wrap up because of time. Yeah. Anything else? <laughs> no, I just am very, you know, I was joking when I walked in. I said I was very humbled and honored that, you know, I just want to help anybody that, you know, if I've said anything that, you know, I didn't want to go to AA. Come on. I didn't want to go. Who wants to go to AA? Right? I thought it was the end of my life. And you know what? Shoot. The way the way you're feeling now, if you're feeling that way, the way you're living now, if you're living that way, the way what we're talking about, try it. Your misery can be returned. You know, they all, they tell you that we'll too when you first assholes, yeah. you know. You, you, you can go back out tomorrow. The liquor stores will still be open. Your buddies will still be drinking. Nope. Nobody's going to take away the alcohol. You just, you don't have to live that way anymore. And I didn't know that for so many years. And I know it now. So if I can help one person, I just want you to know that I appreciate you asking me on. Yeah. We're, so. we're happy you're here. I'm happy you're here. Thank me, you so much. Thanks for asking <laughs> Thank me. You. you got it. Uh, I love All you, right. Pete. Love you too. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to The Payoff with Pete. 
Once again, I'm Pete Souza, And of course, we are part of the Rogue Media Network. All kinds of good podcasts you can find at roguemedianetwork.com. And of course, you can find this podcast and all those other ones wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, other spots like that. This has been Rogue Media Network Podcast.